Before we get started, a quick disclosure. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any investment. And with that, hello and welcome to the Rangely Capital Podcast. I'm Andrew Walker, Portfolio Manager at Rangely. And with me as always, my co-host and Rangely's founder, Chris Demuth. It is Monday, December 19th. And today we're going to talk uh, a little bit about Yahoo's new security breach, and then we'll switch over to a bit about the TSA, or Chris, I, I think you came up with this clever term, term or phrase, a killer waste of money. So that'll be after Yahoo. But let's start with Yahoo. Uh, you know, it, this kind of feels like deja vu. We last discussed them on our September 2017, on our September 27th podcast. And at that time, we were talking about what their 500 million user hack meant for their deal with Verizon. And today, we're talking about them because we're talking about what their 1 billion user hack has to do with their uh, deal for Verizon. And, you know, I I swore we would never talk about them again because everybody always complains about how I pronounce their name. But it's deja vu. We've got to talk about it. We've got to deal with the complaints. What do you think about the new hack? I think that if we, over the next few weeks, want to spend a little time with our families and loved ones and uh, are gone, we should just pre-record a couple more episodes <laughs> yeah. about future Yahoo uh, hacks. Uh, maybe it's a billion and a half. We'll do a billion and a half version and a two billion version stolen email accounts. We'll just record them and we'll just have them ready to go uh, we'll, while we're gone. We'll do a 250 million one, too, in case they undershoot our expectations and it can just be like, good job, guys. <laughs> only, only 250 million. Just t- Tell them which cassette to put in the thing. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, uh, it is certainly material and it is adverse. So we're dealing with a, a contract uh, when we look at the Verizon deal. Uh, that is probably going to lead to a change. Uh, They could decide to close it on current terms. I think the likelihood is that they will not. Were I at Verizon, I wouldn't. Um, And I think that one thing that's important to think about is that once you're outside of a contract, it's not whether you're 1% or 2% and you cut a little bit. You're outside of the contract. You can look at the whole thing with fresh eyes. Um, And then it comes down to the subjective issue of does Verizon want it or not? Um, I don't know the answer. I think the more quantifiable it is, the more likely it is that you come back with a recut. Um, but there's a couple of things going against them in terms of human nature. One is uh, the human nature tendency to at some point say enough is enough. There's, there's this aggregate mm-hmm. number of issues. Mm-hmm. And secondly is uh, Marissa Meyer. Uh, uh, she's somebody who has been uh, difficult for uh, people at Verizon to deal with in the past. Uh, she has been uh, perhaps um, I was thinking of a slightly softer, nicer version of saying arrogant, but she's uh, she really has not been out there uh, directly and humbly defending her core job in terms of Koryahu and the business, which has really been problematic while she's gone off on a lot of expensive uh, tangential adventures. So I think she makes it more difficult and the human nature, you know, a tendency to throw your hands up in there and say enough is enough. Yeah. So look, I, I think you're exactly on point. I think so. Just to put it in rough numbers, Verizon agreed to buy core Yahoo's business for roughly $5 billion. And that was before the first hack came out. And after the first hack, there was still language, is Verizon going to, to claim a MAC, a material adverse clause on this, and try to get a pay cut or back out the deal? Or will they keep the deal as is at $5 billion? Now there's almost no question another billion-dollar hack 
Verizon's going to be able to claim a Mac and either look to break the deal or claim a uh, cut price. But they definitely want these assets. I think the question is going to be how big of a discount do they want off the original $5 billion price? And can they come up with a structure that kind of isolates the potential legal liabilities from the breaches? Because these are the two biggest breach security breaches of all time. And Verizon probably doesn't want to buy Yahoo and then have to pay out all of the consumer uh, lawsuits that are going to come along with this for all the security breaches. So there'll be the question there, can they come up with some form where it's an asset purchase that maybe puts some money in escrow to settle these legal liabilities or leaves the legal liabilities at the Yahoo Hold Co. And then the other question is, you know, are these uh, these breaches, obviously there's the consumer lawsuits, but are they going to cause core Yahoo to lose users? Now, humorously, after the first breach, Yahoo said, oh, we actually gained some users because some people came back and checked their old emails accounts. But this time, Yahoo, uh, they were sending a lot of people out emails to reset their uh, password and do all this sort of stuff. And every security expert said, when you send out an email to reset your password, you lose a lot of users. And Verizon wants them for the users. So as they're losing users, are they losing even more value to Verizon? It's going to be a big cut. I mean, it's going to be 20, 30, 40%. Um, and if then Yahoo wants to entertain that conversation, there's a two-way conversation to be had. If one side or the other uh, becomes kind of principled about it, um, it becomes problematic. Isolating liability is the big issue. If they can't, they walk. And, and, and I'll give a little bit on the liability because I was looking at it to help with our investment case, which I'll turn over to you in a second. But on the legal liability, you know, the, the, as I mentioned, this is the biggest uh, breach anyone's ever seen. You know, Target, I believe they lost $40 million. Now it was credit card uh, users. They lost $40 million credit cards a couple years ago, and they had to pay $200 million plus in excess of what... Uh, uh, their insurance would play. So here you're talking about a billion, a billion five users, but it's not all credit card information. So the question is going to be how much do you have to pay for users? Was their credit card information stolen on top of it? And can it kind of, uh, is there contagion? So like if I was hacked in the past year, I would be looking to see if I could draw a correlation between my hack and an original Yahoo email account so that I could be like, Yahoo, you owe me for this hack too. So is there that type of contagion? Can it spread? Can you keep that off? Uh, but go ahead. I would just throw out also that the fact that this is a somewhat old hack, it's been out there for a while, is itself problematic. There's a lot of yeah. time to troll through to uh, steal a lot of data. Yep. Though, though as we mentioned, it, it is not surprising that these hacks don't get found for two or three years later. We mentioned that on our September podcast because these hacks are done well and they're meant not to be discovered uh, quickly. So investment case, we covered it a little bit in our September podcast, but I'll let you go through it. And I've got some uh, numbers here I can kind of back up with. Though. Sure. Um, at this point, uh, Yahoo would practically not even be a famous company anymore mm -hmm. were it not for an extremely uh, auspicious uh, purchase of shares of Alibaba. Yep. Uh, so uh, they have Alibaba. Uh, they have Yahoo Japan. Uh, and uh, those uh, two things are the bulk of the value. They're both publicly traded. Uh, Alibaba, when it became publicly traded in the U.S., kind of it, it, it took away a lot of the point of Yahoo as a company to uh, get exposure to Alibaba. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I have uh, uh, no reason to want to have a big speculation on Alibaba one way or the other. Um, uh, but uh, but the, once you 
short out that part, you can get isolation to uh, of this Yahoo stub, yep. the, uh, the the minus the publicly traded subsidiary, uh, at what is sometimes cheap and other times virtually free. Yeah, so let me walk through the numbers real quick. So just to put it in perspective, ignoring any discount that Verizon is going to demand, Yahoo is selling uh, their core business to Verizon for, let's call it $5 billion. Mm-hmm. Well, they own Alibaba shares that are worth just shy of $35 billion uh, right now. That's almost $36 per share on a share price that is $38, $39 right now. And then they also have an investment in Yahoo Japan that's worth about $8 uh, before you think about any taxes. So just putting those two together, you get $44 of publicly traded stubs on what is currently a $38, $39 stock. Uh, And the question really becomes... Can Yahoo, A, can they sell their core business because that's core to eventually they need to spin off the proceeds from Alibaba and Yahoo Japan to shareholders. But can they uh, sell the core business and B, can they find a tax efficient way to sell the Alibaba and Yahoo Japan shares? Because the $36 number I mentioned was pre-tax, their tax basis and that $34, $35 billion of Alibaba is effectively zero. So they're going to owe the tax man a lot of money if they sell these shares in a non-tax efficient way. Go ahead. I hope I don't bore listeners by saying, and I'm sure, sure repeating, uh, risk is about the price you pay, uh, not about the number of bad things that are going on, except to say that this is a perfect example of that. We led into this conversation not saying delightful things about Yahoo, but deeply problematic things, things that are hard to quantify. Uh, But boy, uh, you're paying uh, an extremely small amount of money for the stub, which is uh, why we own it. Yeah, yeah. And I will just say like, look, corporate tax rates are 35% now. But if you think Donald Trump, the first thing, one of the first things he's going to do is cut the corporate tax rates, that's a bonanza because the worst case for Yahoo is they basically just sell their Alibaba shares in the open market and give the proceeds after tax to shareholders. And a 35% tax rate to a 20% tax rate really changes the after-tax value of those shares to shareholders. And then the best case for Yahoo is they figure out some way to drop that tax liability from 20% to 10% to 5 to 0 through some form of financial engineering or probably Alibaba buying them in a share-for-share deal. My, my, my sense is uh, Trump, uh, I've said a lot of not, not nice things, but I'll say something nice. He just picked a sensationally good uh, Office of Management and Budget Director. I think they're going to push hard uh, for tax corporate tax reform. Uh, an economist friend of mine working on this uh, had a meeting uh, not that long ago with Charlie Rangel, a liberal Democrat, just explaining the issues in corporate tax. They're going to get it. They're going to push for 15. They might compromise with 20, but it's going to be much, much lower. And then they can improve upon that. The likelihood they can get it close to zero is good. Yeah. So I'll just throw out if our base case is a 20% tax rate and $3 billion from Core Yahoo after after a Verizon cut and some expenses and legal liabilities, you can get to a $45 share price pretty easily. And, uh, you know, $45 versus 38 today, that, that obviously is pretty attractive. And I think so. everyone will hear that in our disclosure. So, Chris, let's turn to TSA, or uh, I said you said the phrase, the very clever phrase, a killer waste of, to- uh, killer waste of money. Uh, there was uh, there was a article that we kind of stumbled upon on Medium, and it said it, the title of it was "The TSA is a, such a waste of money that it doesn't save lives and it might actually cost them." There were tons of interesting stuff in there. Uh, it included one thing: the Homeland Security team. 
they tried a test where they smuggled bombs and guns onto mm-hmm. a plane, and they had a 95% success rate of getting uh, bombs and guns onto the plane. So we can go into some more of the kind of startling stats out there, but I'll just turn it over to you. What, what do you think about this? I think, I think the first thing for uh, taxpayers and the traveling public to know is that the TSA has really nothing to do with security. It is in the business of security theater. And security theater, the practice of countermeasures, simply to give the feeling of uh, improved security to travelers while doing little or nothing or perhaps doing things that are counterproductive. So this is to uh, calm them down. I mean, this is like uh, life vests or boats that sink but make you feel better just (laughs) knowing that they're there. Um, A lot of the things they do are, are really preposterous. Um, uh, just for one little uh, case, the body scans, uh, what they're looking at in the other room are white bodies on a black background. So if you want to be caught, it's important to use a front or back holster. But if you actually use a traditional side holster, uh, any firearms, metal objects are completely invisible as long really? as, as, long as they're it. silhouetted on the back, uh, on the background. Um, so it's very easy to hide explosives and guns. In fact, kind of the most traditional uh, holsters are... Uh, are easy to see. Um, at the same time, they do things that any person would know is not a problem. You know, they will they will confiscate uh, nail clippers from pilots. You know, because what would happen if a pilot would somehow take control of an airplane in <laughs> mid-flight? Uh, you know, which 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 presumably they they already have. Uh, so you know, I think that that this is um, it is at least preposterous. But it's there's a serious side to this too. Uh, we are in the post supersonic era of air travel several decades ago you could fly supersonically across the ocean but even beyond that commercial flights are much slower than when i was born in the 1970s uh new york to denver is is about 20 minutes slower than in 1983 dc to miami is 45 minutes slower than in the 70s in the 1960s the traditional uh, commercial airplane was the 707 it flew at 525 knots today cruising speed on most commercial airlines is 480 to 510 so the planes fly slower the delays are longer and we are no safer from terrorism all because of the tsa and the faa yeah so i think the bottom line of this article was look tsa by throwing out by inconveniencing travelers with you know going through security taking your shoes off long security lines all this sort of stuff TSA has increased the time cost of flying, right? So they mentioned specifically, and this is one that I used to do all the time, New York to Boston. You know, Mm -hmm. the flight, it might be a little slower now, but the flight itself only takes an hour. But because of TSA, you need to get there an hour, two hours in advance. So the, the whole time is three hours. And it takes three hours to drive from New York to Boston or three or four hours. So a lot of people are choosing to drive instead of fly because driving's cheaper and it's the same time frame. And driving is so much more dangerous than flying that TSA is encouraging driving, which there were some stats that they estimate TSA is killing about 520 people mm-hmm. more per year, which is roughly four fully loaded Boeings crashing every year. So, uh, yeah, that, that's exactly it. And I think you made a great point. You know, a lot of stuff, I didn't know the, the background one, but uh, go, taking your shoes off through security. They, they said they catch people 
who, if they kept their shoes on, they'd catch people who tried to sneak explosives on there. It does nothing except gives you a false sense of security. It's it's replacing a lot of uh, it's replacing caution with activity for mm-hmm. no reason but to make people feel better. I, I think culturally too, uh, we are really trying to make decisions without making judgments, and I think that it's just a very hard category uh, of for that. Um, you compare that to LL, which I think has the best most rational uh, security in the world and they make a lot of judgments and they do so thoughtfully they're extremely safe uh, they're much more efficient um, and uh, because of the threat level that they have to deal with uh, the Israelis have gotten to be extremely good at this and it's all statistically rigorous instead of doing things that are arbitrary uh, they do things that are based on reason and science and you know I think it goes back to the conversation we had a week or two ago about the Washington Post article about waste in the government this was waste in the Pentagon in this case, but you know the government—they're so far below the efficiency curve. If they're just willing to take a look at the things they're doing and say, "Hey, we're not just going to keep allocating money to this and doing this because we've done it." If they're willing to kind of go and reevaluate things, there are a lot of things, the TSA being one of them, there are plenty of other examples. There are a lot of things where they can both increase efficiency while cutting costs. The question is, is there the political will to do that? Or do the political will like being able to go out and say, hey, everyone's safe because we're going to make everyone take their shoes off on the plane without any real evidence that it does anything? Ten seconds to wrap it up and then we'll uh, call it According to TSA workers, there are more codes that they use, if you don't understand some of the words they're using in these lines, to rate the attractiveness of the air travelers than there are codes related to terrorism or security of any point. And I think that really gets out a lot of the prioritization of the TSA workers. It doesn't just get to the prioritization of the TSA workers. It tells you a lot about human nature. It does. Uh, let's see. All right. So that's all the time we have for today. Two things. A, Chris got me a wonderful Christmas present. It is uh, ostensibly a bottle opener, but it's also a pair of brown knuckles and i'm wondering if i could get those through uh tsa or not so if anybody has any ideas on that they should let me know uh so let's see that's all the time we have for today before we hit our disclosures just a quick reminder if you like this podcast please be sure to follow and rate us on itunes stitcher or audio boom uh let's see disclosures chris we mentioned we hinted at a little bit but we're both long yahoo and short out the alibaba publicly traded part to kind of isolate the stub there so that's a trade we both have on uh i think that's all the time we have we will hopefully talk to everyone tuesday and wednesday and then that'll be it for us for the year talk to everyone then